on Christmas Day dinner, a group of us, family and friends, gathered around our uh, table for dinner, and we had a question that we all answered. The question was this, what one word describes 2019 for you? Interesting, right? What's one word that you would use to describe 2019? My word was both, both. And then we went around and we shared what that meant. And for me, both means that um, it was both amazing and challenging. So 2019 was wonderful for me, and that's because of you, Stonebridge. I mean, the staff, the elders, the deacons, the congregation here is fabulous. It's been a healing time for me. Uh, And just uh, God's call, my passion, all of that. So that's wonderful. And... Uh, you remember, I mean, literally almost a year ago, uh, that right before my first weekend here, my right knee kind of collapsed on me, and I would preach my first sermons with a big old mechanical cast on under my pants and a cane, and not the way I intended to come in, uh, you know. <clears throat> and my knees haven't hurt, but they haven't gotten any better. And so uh, both also uh, is related to the fact that a week from tomorrow, I'm having both knees replaced, double knee replacement surgery. And so uh, that's one of the reasons on Christmas Eve I was, uh, you know, bumping fists. I have got to stay healthy for one more week. Uh, So I'm not going to hug and shake and all that stuff. I'll probably just hole up and wave at you. So um, because they'll cancel it and... Uh, we've got everything coordinated around here for that, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm happy about that. <clears throat> and um, a year has gone by, uh, and um, it, one of the things that happens uh, is that we, no matter how good or bad the last year has been, we have to move on into the new one, right? And so we, uh, I want to say, let's turn out the lights on 2019 and move into 2020 with confidence and hope and anticipation. Um, The Bible has a lot to say about transition, about change, about moving into the next chapter of our lives. Uh, And one healthy thing that we need to do sometimes is this. We need to shake off the dust. Shake off the dust. The, The verse is from Matthew 10. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words... Leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Well, this is a picture of a friend of mine named Janet. And uh, 2013 was not a good year for Janet and her family. And so she went to the beach and she wrote, Good riddance 2013. That was her version of turning off the lights uh, and, and, and looking forward to uh, 2014. Uh, their family had had at least one accident, a heart attack, uh, family trauma, job change, and loss. I mean, it was a bad year for her. Um, And so, in a sense, she's shaking the dust off her feet, the dust of 2013 off. Uh, But I love that she has a smile on her face. You know, this isn't, woe is me. This is, you know what, good riddance, and I'm anticipating something new and different and better in the new year. We, we, go, we go into the new year with our heads up. Maybe we have to shake it off a little bit. Whew, you know, whatever that is that, you know, they crack their necks and, um, 
Every action movie is like this, by the way. Um, every action movie has a moment where whoever the hero or heroine is, uh, they, they get pretty beat up, and just when you think it's all is lost, they go, whew, take a minute, do something, and then, okay, let's go. We're ready. So, for instance, The Matrix, Neo. Uh, Neo would, uh, you know, he's get, he's, you know, he's always fighting and all that stuff. And then, and then he, he's like, you know, practically on his knees. And then he, and then he takes a, he form, he takes a position, and he stands up, puts his hand out, and he goes, just like that. Come on, come on, I'm ready for you. That's how we are for the new year. Dorothy, Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz, not an action movie, but Dorothy. <laughs> Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz, I mean, b b the big awful moment, the scarecrow's on fire, and she's running around, oh, and then, and then she, she turns, and she sets Toto and her basket down, and she picks up a pail of water, and uh, turns and is ready to, to do something, and she completely misses the scarecrow, and hits the witch, and there you go, that's what happens there, but my favorite, my favorite um, recovery moment in a movie is from Avengers Endgame you know, just out recently, and Captain America, oh my gosh, you know, he is up against Thanos, the bad guy, has beaten all the superheroes, uh, Captain America is the last Avenger standing, his, his unbreakable shield is cracked and broken in half, and he is on his knees, and just, uh, and he looks up, and he sees the enemy army now coming, it's not just Thanos, it's his whole army, and he, and then he straightens up, and uh, with his straps that hold on that shield, he tightens it down, puts it up, and okay, here we go. If you have version, the link to that uh, clip is in there, because it's just this sense of, you know what? You come on. I'm ready for you. And when we say that, we don't mean I'm ready for you. We mean we're ready for you. It's not just us. The Lord is with us, and we're going to look at that throughout this whole thing. Um, I am sure there are some moms that on Christmas morning were feeling like this action figure, completely worn out, right? I mean, the, the papers are, you know, wrapping scattered everywhere. Kids are now fighting over the toys. Dad's trying to put batteries in something, and and mom just relaxes into her chair for just a minute. And then somebody says, what's for breakfast? And it's like, <sighs> come help. How about that? Um, so um, uh, as I said, there are many examples in Scripture of God standing beside his people in the midst of that future transition and change. Each time with words of encouragement uh, and maybe the most often repeated word of encouragement in all of Scripture is this, don't fear, don't fear. And I mean, we'll see in a minute, 500 times it says that. But here's one from Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That is uh, Ray. In uh, King Kong, and they're afraid. And uh, first, let me say, um, do not fear is not a command, as in, 
uh, if, you don't, if you are afraid, you're going to have to apologize for it. I mean, it's, it's, here's an instruction. Do not be afraid. And you should feel bad if you're afraid. No, that's not what it means. Um, we, God knows we're going to be afraid. If he didn't know we were going to be afraid, he wouldn't have to put 500 times, don't be afraid. It's more like this. Do you know how um, a, a parent might say to a child, don't eat that cookie, we're about to have dinner. That's a command. If they, if they eat the cookie, they got to apologize. They've done something, they've broken the rule, they've, they've done what they were told not to do. But what if the parent says, don't even think about eating that cookie because we're about to have dinner. Do they really mean that? I mean, no, now I have to think about it. I mean, I, I wasn't even thinking about it before, but now I can't stop thinking about eating that cookie. Don't even think about it. That's the kind of, that's what this is more like, which is like, I know you're going to be afraid, but let me tell you, don't be afraid. Um, it isn't a command that we can fail at. Um, so uh, back to good parenting. Uh, for example, uh, you know, if, if, we're, if we're kneeling down next to our child and they're getting ready to run a race or give a speech or sing a song, what do we say to them? We say, you've got this. Listen, don't worry. I'm with you the whole way. No, you're not. <laughs> How inappropriate would that be to go out and stand next to them while they're singing or giving a speech? What do we mean? I mean you know what? You're going to get through this. I'm going to be with you no matter what. You know, we'll get through this together. You, you, we give them some of our confidence, some of our strength. That's what God is doing with us. God does not expect faithful followers never to be frightened. I like what Rick Warren, uh, pastor of the megachurch Saddleback, says he says, God doesn't want humans, uh, humans' minds clouded by fear. We can be afraid, but let's not let it cloud us. God doesn't intend for Christians to spend their days preoccupied with anxiety and worry. Um, so I said that Scripture says 500 times don't be afraid. Okay, how many times does it say love one another? About 50. Well, love one another is a pretty important command, Right? But we're given don't fear 10 times as many times. What that should tell us is there's a lot of fear. There's going to be a lot of fear. We can't get away from it. But that because God is with us, we can, we can do something about it. Um, someone was blogging her reaction to reading Do Not Fear. And she said this, I fear clowns, criticism, crashing my bike, and car wrecks, bridges, bears, big buildings, and bull riding. Snakes, shark attacks, screwing up and smothering. Judgment, jack-in-the-boxes, jerky people, and jet planes, just to name a few. So she has lots of fears. And so she said she prayed and asked God, what does it mean to not be afraid? And this was the response she heard back in prayer. Fear is a cause to pause. Fear is a cause to pause, to take a moment and reflect on what's going on. When we fear and we will be afraid, our fearful thoughts and concerns are, are an invitation by God to stop and seek God's way. In Scripture, the Lord says, fear not at pivotal times when his people are facing challenges, um, they're taking big risks, facing their giants, going into battle, traveling into uncharted territory. Of course they're going to be afraid. But they can take a moment to, uh, as, and use their fear as a cause to pause. So Joshua is an example of that. 
We, we many of us remember Joshua. He was uh, Moses' right-hand man, and he was prepared to take over with, uh, leading the nation of Israel when Moses was no longer able to. And Moses kept telling them about, we're going to cross into the promised land. We just have to go across the Jordan River. No, it's going to be amazing, filled with milk and honey. Yes, there's challenges, there's enemies, but God's going to be with us. Forty years, he's telling them all about it. And he gets them to the promised land, and the day before they're going to cross, Moses dies. And Joshua has to lead them. And I'm thinking Joshua is like, seriously, seriously, 40 years, you couldn't die tomorrow after we get across the river? You got, I mean, I got to do this today? So, so I think he t- used that as a cause to pause and say, Lord, what, what are we, we going to do? How, how are we going to do this together? And, um, and God said this in Joshua to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. And Joshua's like, yeah, I, I got that part. Um, and he says, now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give you. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and very courageous. God was not caught off guard that Moses died. God was not in heaven, and the door opens, and Moses walks in, and he's like, what are you doing here? I thought you were supposed to be down there leading them. Now what are we going to do? No, God's not. God wasn't shocked. His plans weren't messed up. He knew what was going to happen. He knew he was going to be with Joshua the same way he was going to be with Moses. The challenges we face are not a surprise to God. He is well aware of what we face in 2020. We don't know, but God does. And he says, I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And when Joshua hears, be strong and courageous, and Isaiah hears, uh, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, they aren't hearing, so you've got this. By yourself, on your own. They're hearing, we've got this. You and I, together, we've got this. So as we turn out the lights on 2019 and we walk into 2020, we don't go alone. God is with us. God isn't surprised by what lies ahead. And we can fear not because with God, we've got this. Which leads to our third, third point. Hope is a real thing. Hope is a real thing. I love this picture. This is, a, this is sunrise on the road. And that's one of my favorite times when we're going on a driving vacation and uh, we've gotten up really early. The kids are asleep in the back and uh, my wife and I are drinking our coffee and the sun rises and it's like, here we go, a new day, a new adventure. We're not sure what's, what we're going to find, but we're in it together. And it, it's, this, it's this moment of anticipation. And Romans 8.28 is a, such a favorite passage, a beloved passage of so many. I want to read 24, 25, and 28. It says, Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Well, I know we've memorized, many of us, that, and we've said it at challenging times in our lives. But I want to just kind of walk through it a little bit 
and get a, a clearer understanding of these verses. In my years as a pastor, I have sat with people who have clung to these texts in the, some of the worst times of their lives. And I know that that would be true for many of you. And I could tell a story uh, or two uh, like that. You could tell a story. But here's what I'm thinking. It's been, it, we just did Christmas. We're exhausted. We got New Year's coming. It's like, do we have to go deep and hard and, you know, like these really emotional stories? Let me just give you a fun one, all right, that is a great illustration of, of what this, these verses mean. Amazon Prime. Pretty sure many of us have, in, have engaged with Amazon Prime uh, in the last couple of weeks. It's a modern example of Romans 8, 24, and 25. Uh, who hopes for what we already have? Once it's delivered, we're not worried about it. We've got it. In fact, sometimes we don't even open it. We know what it is. Hey, don't open that. I know what it is. I'll open it when we're ready, right? We're not anxious because we already have it. And then, um, and then uh, verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Isn't that true with Amazon Prime? It's like, it's coming in two days. I got, we're good. It's coming. I know it. They always, they always deliver. And, uh, and seriously, if you're impatient about two days, you're moving too fast. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I ordered before Christmas, I ordered something at 9 o'clock at night, and it was there by noon the next day. Somebody worked all night long to get me something, uh, you know, for like $8, uh, you know, Amazon Prime. And I wasn't worried about it. I'm patient about it. It's coming. It's coming. I know. It'll be here in two days. It's not a problem. Now, um, the way we know what this feels like is when we order from somebody else. Have you, did anybody have to do that? I had to do that because Amazon didn't have what... How in the... If, if they don't have it, why do we want it? I mean, it's, it's <laughs> like... But anyway, my daughter had a sweater that they didn't have. And so I had to find it somewhere else, and I ordered it from somewhere else. But as soon as I ordered it, I'm starting to get worried now. I don't know. I, this, this email receipt, I don't know if it's, it doesn't look exactly right. And I used PayPal, and they, maybe they're already selling my PayPal account to somebody in Czechoslovakia. I don't know. And, um, and, and my wife said, well, when are we going to get it? I said, I don't know. I don't know. It's not today, I can tell you that. And I went online to see, you know, what their shipping policy is. No policy. I don't know. And I go, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chat with them. No chat. No phone. I don't know. I don't even know if I'm going to get it. Um, and so what was I? Impatient. Every day I'm calling her. Did it come? Did it come? Did it come? No, it hasn't come. And finally it got there. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's what it means to, to not trust. You know, absolutely we want things sooner than God gives them to us. But we can be patient about it. We don't have to be anxious that, I don't know if he's going to give it to us. Yeah, he is. 8.28 says, all things work together for good. We can trust that. We know we can calm down and uh, have hope for the things that we know are true. God is with us. Fear not. God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for a future and a hope. We can wait patiently for those things. And for... uh, Everything else, all the things that we don't have confidence in, uh, the situations that we aren't sure about, 
the, the challenges that we face in the coming year that don't have clear solutions or two-day delivery times. Um, for all of those moments, and there are many, I'm grateful for Romans 8.28. I'm grateful it's in the Bible, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So I love it for two reasons, and the first one is important because we get this wrong sometimes. Uh, really an important thing about Romans 28, 8.28 is this. Uh, it acknowledges that, all, that not all things are good. See, sometimes we misquote it, and we say all things are good. No, they aren't. There are some really bad, horrible things. And you and I have experienced them, and we may experience them again. And there is no need to thank God for it. There is no need to say it's good. It's not. There is no need to tell somebody else, cheer up. They don't have to. Because some things are bad. But Scripture says, God can work good out of all things. He doesn't say that's good, but he can make good come from it. In the worst experiences of our lives, there, God will create good. It isn't just find the good in it. There must be something. No, it's all bad. But God is able to make good out of it. That's what Romans 8.28 says. We can admit, we can grieve, we can be upset and hurt that it was bad but god says he can make good out of it and we can hold on to that and that's the second thing about this um, text hope is real hope uh, is what my friend had when she wrote good riddance 2013 and with a smile on her face she wouldn't have done that if she didn't have hope if if i mean it, things weren't just going to get easier but she knew that God would be with her, that ultimately God had, was able to do good out of the challenges that they had faced. She had hope for something in the future. And so she could write Good Riddance 2013. Uh, otherwise, she wouldn't have even gone to the beach. Um, hope helps us head into the new year and the future the way God has encouraged his people to be all throughout Scripture. Fear not. Be strong and courageous. Hope for what we do not yet have. Wait for it patiently and know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So I have one last next step for you uh, this year. Good news, I will never ask you all the rest of the year to uh, take a next step. This is the last one. Uh, and uh, it's this. Just take a piece of paper sometime this week and on it, write 2019. And then write something on here that you're glad you're turning the lights off on. Some situation, some event, um, some circumstance. And you just write it on in here. And then fold it over, tape it shut, staple it all the way around, however you want to do it to make sure it's really sealed. And then, and then write 2020 on the outside. And this, in all things, God works for the good. In all things, God works for the good. That thing that's bad in there, God can do something good out of it in 2020. And just leave this on your dashboard or by your mirror or on your um, dresser to remind you that God is at work in your life and can cause good to come even from bad things.
So, shake it off. Turn the lights off on 2019 and on 2020. Come on. We got this.